Welcome to episode 21 of Murder We Write. I'm your host, Carol Goodman Kaufman. On this podcast, I get to talk with crime writers whose short stories and novels run the gamut from cozies to domestic thrillers. We'll learn from them about their craft, their process, and the business of writing. My guest today is E. Chris Ambrose. This outdoor guide writes the Bone Guard archaeological thrillers, what she calls adventure fiction inspired by her own lived experience. In the process of researching her books, Chris learned how to hunt with a falcon, clear a building of possible assailants, and even pull traction on a broken limb. She's also taught rock climbing and has led hiking, kayaking, climbing, and mountain biking camps. So welcome, Chris. Let's jump right in. Have you always been a writer? If not, what did you do before choosing to write fiction? And finally, what was the impetus for you to write fiction? Hi, Carol. Thanks so much for having me. So you'd like to know when I started writing. I actually have a little tiny notebook with Snoopy on the cover that includes my first short story ever. I think it's about three sentences long, and I probably wrote it in second grade. Uh, I'm not going to say it's great fiction, but definitely I always had an interest in storytelling, um, and I was always taking you know, writing classes at school and during summer. Uh, my first novel that I ended up finishing was begun at a high school summer camp, and it was after I ended up dropping out of college that I thought, I bet I could do a lot better job of writing a novel now than I did when I was 16 years old. So that's kind of how I began, and I was fortunate to be able to sell that second novel that I started writing, uh, but not until mm, some years later when I think I had improved the draft a lot, thankfully. So you write archaeological thrillers. Can you tell us a little bit about what that means and where you do the research needed for a book of that type? Are we talking Indiana Jones here? Well, it's funny you should say that. Um, my tagline for the series is, if Indiana Jones had served in special forces? So kind of, yeah. Uh, basically, the stories are revolving around an archaeological mystery from the past that the characters have recently discovered some clue to where it might be found. Uh, and meanwhile, some nefarious party like the Chinese army or... Uh, a person who believes that he is the reborn king of Jerusalem is trying to track down the same archaeological treasure or find. So they are treasure hunt stories that uh, involve these kind of chases and deadly quests to locate something and secure the, uh, the cultural or historical value of artifacts that have been lost to time. Uh, a lot of the research starts with other reading that I do. Um, when I'm lucky, I get to go visit the actual sites or museums where they may have artifacts pertaining to the cultures that I'm researching. When I was working on the Mongols' coffin, I did actually get to visit Mongolia, which was absolutely the best, highly recommended. I also once wrote an entire novel because of a footnote that I found in another book that I was using for research. So the bibliographies and the sources that the secondary material that people are using that leads me to the primary material, that is like finding gold. So in a way, you're doing literary archaeology, digging through the past. Now, once you get that germ of an idea, let's say from a footnote, where do you go? Do you know where the story is going right from the get-go? 
or do you let it grow organically? So there's basically three things that I need in order to begin a story. I need a person in a place with a problem. Since I'm writing a lot of series fiction, usually the person is pretty clear, the protagonist for the series, although for most of the Bone Guard books, I also have a secondary protagonist who is someone that's very close to the culture or the problem that they're trying to solve. Uh, and usually that historical research is what suggests the setting, the location where a lot of the scenes are going to take place. Uh, when I'm doing my research, I make a spreadsheet and then I fill in a lot of details around other locations that have been mentioned, like if there's been a theory that this secret thing has been found in this country or that country, uh, then I'll make notes of those. And that gives me more settings to explore and get to discover along with the reader as I'm actually crafting the narrative. So when I'm sitting down to sort of put all of that together into a plot, I'll be looking for uh, who is the antagonist, who is the person that's going to be chasing the treasure or trying to stop my characters from getting there. Who else would want it and why would they want it? And then I'll be looking for that secondary protagonist, the person who can kind of give us the every person perspective on what's going on and who will be challenged to step up to the plate and maybe become a hero when they weren't expecting to. So how do you envision your characters, both physically and behaviorally? Do you model them on people you know or do you cut pictures out of magazines this is kind of a tough one because I envision them, I guess, from the inside out. I've actually taught a workshop on this technique. I use a lot of uh, different methods to really get into their mindset, to think about who they are in terms of where they grew up, what kind of background they have, uh, what kind of moments from their lives might have formed their reactions and their personalities. Uh, I have a few physical details in mind. Usually I know, what are they tall or short? Do they present themselves forcefully or perhaps are they more reticent? Uh, so some of them will have those kinds of details, but I tend not to spend a long time on their physical appearance, more on how they act on the page and react and what kind of interactions they have with other characters and with their environment. I don't know if that really helps. But sometimes people will ask questions like, so if your character were going to be in a movie, like if they made a movie of the Bone Guard novels, who would play Grant Casey? And I have a distinct impression of him in my mind, but he's not really based on anyone but himself. Chris, you mentioned your spreadsheet, which I think is super organized and absolutely brilliant. But do you also outline, and if you do outline, is yours a bare bones or is it very detailed? The spreadsheet is definitely critical. I do have a page on there for the outline, but the outline itself usually begins with a bunch of note cards. I'll just write down ideas as I have them and then stick them in an envelope on my bulletin board until I feel like I have enough plot points, characters, uh, clues to the historical mystery that I can literally shuffle them together and see what kind of scene ideas emerge from that process. When I feel like I have enough to proceed, then I'll actually enter those note cards in order into my spreadsheet, uh, and I transfer that into my Scrivener document to keep it as sort of a running outline. So it's usually pretty vague, although I will often end up with lines of dialogue on some of those cards, just 
as they pop into my head, as I'm able to really envision what those scenes will be like. Uh, it's kind of a list of maybe 30 to 50 scenes, depending on the length of the book in question. So I guess I would say it's, it's pretty vague, uh, except inside of my own head. Well, speaking of scenes, or actually scenery, you write about an amazing array of places. Do you get your ideas while visiting there, or do you go there to do research once you get the idea for a story? So far, mostly the latter. I will get excited about a place and know that I probably want to write something there, and then I will try to go and visit and spend as much time as I can in the kinds of places my characters will visit. Uh, if I'm writing something historical, then I want to visit the historical structures that were present at the time. On one occasion, I hired a tour guide uh, who was also a medieval historian to give me a tour of London and tell me everything that had been there during the period that I was writing about so that I could get a better feel for what that city would have been like at the time my characters were actually living there. Mostly nowadays, I start with a lot of research in uh, travel blogs and those kinds of things, uh, looking for the kinds of places that would be exciting to visit. Sometimes I will just literally make lists of all the cool places I find on a map like a graveyard or the um, airplane graveyard that I used in the Nazi skull when I was working on the Bloody Baja series that just came out for the Rogue Adventures books with Nigel Rowe. I started with maps of Baja from the period that the books were inspired by, which is the Jesuit occupation, and um, found some very strange and interesting things like a town that was founded by France and includes a little chapel designed by Eiffel. So those kinds of details that make it feel more real than I imagine what it's like to, I guess, in, to occupy those spaces or to move through them. Sometimes I'm looking for where to hide the bodies or where my characters might be hiding or leaping out from looking for the kinds of details that might be a clue to the next stage of the treasure map. Do you have a favorite place? Or is that like asking a parent who the favorite child is? The stock answer would be my favorite place is any place I haven't been to yet. I'm just kind of a travel fiend, so I'm always excited to go to the next destination. But the one place that I return to over and over is um, England, and I love staying at the Landmark Trust properties. They basically rescue old houses and castles and things. So we were able to spend a few days living at a castle in Scotland last year, uh, which was absolutely incredible, as you might imagine. There's also, of course, this beautiful little church uh, near the coast of England in a town called Hythe, which is known for its ossuary. They have an extraordinary display of bones and skulls, which came from the ground around the church when they were elevating the church during the Middle Ages. It is uh, quite remarkable and very unusual for England. So I'd have to say that that's one of my favorite places. It was actually the bell ringer at that church, St. Leonard's of Hythe, who inspired the name for the character in my new series, Nigel Rowe. Aha, a new series. Can you tell us a little bit about that? And how does it differ from the Bone Guard books? 
So if the Bone Guard books are Indiana Jones meets Special Forces, then let's say Rogue Adventures is if Indiana Jones were played by Benedict Cumberbatch. They're still adventure novels. They'll still be traveling to exotic destinations, following treasure maps, and uh, defeating the bad guys. But they're British, uh, inflected by the nature of the hero, Nigel Rowe, who is a disgraced British anthropologist. He thinks that his YouTube adventure channel will redeem him, but vengeful treasure hunters have other plans. In the first three books, he's in Baja, California, having a variety of adventures with his brand new and somewhat concerning sidekick, a woman named Debbie Alexander, who is an ex-Marine and is actually Bone Guard adjacent, which is a little bit of fun for me connecting the two series. But Rogue Adventures will be kinder and gentler. It's more of a clean thriller, so if you're not up for curse words and you don't want to see a lot of violence on the page, then you might prefer the Rogue Adventures over Bone Guard. Um, Bone Guard is definitely ex-military, and there's a lot of that kind of action. So Rogue Adventures are a lot of fun to write. Uh, Nigel has a very distinctive voice that I'm really enjoying, and I hope that readers will enjoy them also. These sound fabulous, Chris. I can't wait to read them. But let's talk business now, and I have a bunch of questions. The first one is, why the pen name? Well, there's a few answers to that. Some of them rather sobering and perhaps revealing about American reading habits and who we expect to write what kinds of books. The uh, short answer is that I got a pseudonym when I started publishing historical fantasy because it was a bit different from the traditional fantasy novels that I had been publishing. And when I looked at the sales figures and the kinds of books that were coming out, it seemed like my readership would potentially be more uh, interested in the books if they didn't immediately think, oh, it's written by a girl. So yeah, girl cooties. Uh, when I switched to doing the historical thrillers, I kept a similar pen name because I felt that my readership for the historical fantasy novels might also be interested in my historical thrillers. They have kind of a similar vibe in terms of the action-adventure qualities and the historical investment. So there you go. That makes a lot of sense. Now, Chris, I see from your website that you also do editing for other authors, but do you hire an independent editor for your own work. I'm fortunate to have a small group of beta readers who are super dedicated and are trained writers and critiquers in their own. So I reach out to those people at various times during the process to get feedback on the work in progress and then to finalize things at the very end. So, so far that's been working out pretty well for me. And you are one very fortunate writer. Chris, you have your own publishing company. What brought that about? It started as a way to bring several of my different author brands under the same umbrella. I'm still not sure that was the right idea, but so far I'm enjoying it. The name Rosinante is uh, the name of Don Quixote's horse from the original Man of La Mancha Don Quixote novel, uh, which is certainly one of the seminal works that I return to. I always have that feeling of tilting at windmills. So as the publisher, do you do your own marketing or do you subcontract that out? Yeah, I do my own. I've been trying to learn more about some of the different approaches and uh, trying to keep up with the times is a little bit tricky. So looking into perhaps farming it out. 
Okay, one last question, Chris. The covers of your Bone Guard and Rogue series are significantly different, have totally different vibes. Did you use the same illustrator for both? Well, I wanted to make sure that I took a different direction so that people understood the very different tone and nature of the two series. So the Bone Guard books are designed by Dave Behrens, who is a fellow thriller author. And then the Rogue Adventure series is designed by Wendy Nickel. Both very talented people, both working in very different directions. Chris, thank you so much for joining me today on Murder We Write and bringing us into your very exciting world of archaeological thrillers. This has been so much fun, and I've learned a lot. I look forward to delving into more of your books. Thank you so much for having me, Carol. I had a great time with our conversation, and I can't wait to catch up with your own writing. And to our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Please join me next time for episode 22 of Murder We Write. Who will our guest be? That's the mystery. Short Cast Club.